It's Monday the 17th of February 2020. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. I'm joined this week by Sanna Magdalena Mörtudottir, Reykjavik City Councillor for the Socialist Party of Iceland, and by Valgerður Anna Johansdottir, Head of the Journalism Programme at the University of Iceland. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Southern regions of Iceland had their first ever red weather warning alert on Friday, and the storm was every bit as bad as expected, though damage caused was a lot less than in North Iceland last December, luckily. Mani Shahad, Shahidi sorry, and his family will not be deported today after the trans teen of Iranian origin was taken to hospital and doctors joined the hundreds of protesters calling for the family to stay. Although it hasn't, uh, it's, it's, it's not a permanent decision, it's more of a delay. Um, Epling Union members who work for the city of Reykjavik have started their biggest strike to date and this time they won't return to work until a new pay and conditions contract is signed. Preschool children and their parents are the worst affected again. All of Iceland's aluminium smelters operated at a loss last year, it's been revealed, and the Strömsvik power uh, plant near to Hapnafjörður could even shut down completely if restructuring plans don't work out. And the Prime Minister is introducing a bill to Althingi that would toughen up land ownership rules, she says, in line with strong public concern about food security, access to natural resources and even national sovereignty. So, where would you like to begin? Well, the weather perhaps has been sort of um, on everyone's mind for some time. But then again, I mean, the Epling strike started at midnight. So that is probably what's, yeah. So um, this is the what, the third or the fourth strike now that they've done. But this is the one that's not going to end until something actually happens. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's big news and there it is, is big news. There's no meeting been called. No, no. So. It seems to be um well, I mean I I'm just what well, all I know is what I hear um on the news and uh, it, it looks like um a tougher um um negotiation uh, than than we've seen for a, quite some time on the labor market. Um and you know that there isn't even a meeting scheduled um, tells you something about how far apart um, those on on each side of the ne- negotiating table are. Because mm. um, the last meeting was cancelled by the state mediator himself, yeah. who said there's no point. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah, is yeah. worrying. It is a bit worrying, yeah. um, and um, I mean there are. I often find it um, quite um, confusing to sort of figure out because um, the numbers that that each side sort of throws at you is what's you know um, suits each uh, sort of um, yeah Uh, and it's um, but on the whole I mean these are people who work (coughs) tough jobs um, very very important jobs Mm. you know the people take care of our kids and um, the elderly um, also the people who you know take care of our garbage uh, which none of us want to do mm. um, so uh, yeah I, I I sympathize with their um, you know um, cause if, if that's the right word for it but at the same time I also see the dilemma because um, 
at least what uh, the other side says is that if we agree to this, it means that those that have actually educated themselves to take, you know, care of um, children, for example, um, you know, the the gap will um, be reduced so much that um, people won't see the benefit of actually, you know, educating themselves and people who do um, very often come later into the labor market, they have debts. Um, so there has to be some kind of incentive mm. there. So it's, it's a really tough one. Um, but, um, you know, I have great respect for that. I mean, luckily for me personally, I don't have kids at play school anymore, but I did. And you know they're they're doing such a wonderful um, job, and I'm Thank ever you. so grateful um, for their work. And Absolutely. it's a tough one. Has this affected you at work? Uh, obviously, you're in the council of Reykjavik. This must be what people are talking about there. Um, I must say, I'm really happy seeing workers sticking together, and um, they are demanding uh, higher pay. I mean, they're income their pay is so low to begin with so they are demanding a correction in their salary and it's really sad to see how the majority in the city council have been discussing um, their demands and have been discussing it as something that is just like um, too much um, been saying like no I mean we can offer you this and anything beyond that is just like too much and aren't really willing, as I see it, to listen to what people on this low income um, have to go through. I mean, it's so difficult living on these wages, trying to get through the month, trying to pay the rent. And as we know, the housing system in Reykjavik, the rent market is like really difficult to get by. So um, trying to get by, trying to live, paying the bills, paying the food, the cost of everything is really much. And when people are rising up, sticking together and saying, no, we aren't taking this any longer, it's really difficult to listen to the majority in the Reykjavik City Council kind of just like um, talking about how the strikes will affect the city and not like leaning into the stories and listening to the stories of all of those people who are striking. Mm -hmm. It's like 1,850 people that work for them and it really hurts that they aren't like um, sticking with them in demanding that their salary is something that they can make a living of. I mean, a lot of these people, they need to get a second job. And that isn't something that we want to see in this society, that people need to be working a full job and another job just to get by. I mean, it's like so stressful. And this is something that I've been discussing um, when I was living as a child with my single mother who worked for Reykjavikaborg at a preschool and it's just like the effects of it it's like they are so lingering mm. um, and it just really hurts how they aren't able to see the effects of how financial hardships can really take its toll, toll on you and how like Reykjavik and the majority are often talking about equality and how they value feminism. And when you look at these low income jobs in Reykjavik, 
there are a lot of women working in these jobs, in caring and with children. And feminism is um, also about looking at how marginalized groups in the society are being marginalized because of their economic status. And you can't not um, decide to just close your eyes towards that. That affects a lot of women here in the city. So it's really difficult to listen to uh, city councillors talking about how feminist they are and not being able or willing to listen to the stories that many of these women are saying and not being willing to raise the salary. And I don't see this as being a feminist city when you are taking part of holding the women down in this poverty. We know that um, preschool workers, the the ones without the specialist education, um, they live with very, very low wages. We know that everyone knows this. Mm -hmm. And most people agree that they shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Um, And if the only argument against giving them this pay rise is because it would diminish the gap between them and the people that have the teaching degrees... Maybe they need a pay rise as well. Oh, I'm sure they would agree to that. <laughs> I'm sure they would. But then uh, you've got the question of where does yeah. the money come from, I suppose. Well, well, it's. Uh, um, I'm not sure if it's the only argument. Um, another argument is that um, uh, an agreement has been reached over, I, I can't remember the exact figure, something 90 or maybe it was 70% of the you know, labour market. Uh, and if someone um, uh, sort of breaks that agreement, then um, all hell will, br- you know, um, break loose, and everyone, the, the sort of everyone climbing on, on uh, each up on each other's back will will start, and that mm-hmm. will mean inflation and all all that the arguments that we've um, heard um, many times. Uh, <clears throat> there's another. Um, strike uh, looming uh, because there are um, um, people working at the well both I think with the state and the municipalities uh, who are now voting on a strike that would begin in March Mm. Um, so I'm sure that uh, those who are you know at the negotiating table are looking um, you know at least with one eye on, on that as well because but, what? <laughs> presumably, those people are going to be demanding whatever they get and a bit more. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That sort of um, thing. But I mean, I I find interesting what Suno was saying about the feminist um, aspect of it because we've had this debate for years and years that we need to sort of start reevaluating, <laughs> restructuring um, um, the. Um, well, not the labour market, but the way the way uh, wages are um, um, structured, and and put a higher price on those who are working, um, you know, with what really matters, uh, which are people. Mm. Uh, in, and it, it's very um, popular to compare it, for example, with those who work with money, who, um, you know, without exception, um, I think are all much, much higher up the ladder than those who actually uh, work with people in hospitals or schools. Or, um, But that is really a, 
a tough one to crack. So it's yeah, it, it's a debate that's been going on for I would say decades, mm. uh, and not much really does change. Something is probably going to change now, to some degree at least, because this they, they, they mean business, don't they? Yeah, and I think we need to start like with the uh, lowest paid jobs and now we are really going to see how much the city is in their hands I mean because they are like walking out of their jobs they're not going to be doing them so now we are going to really see I mean how much effect this is going to have and um, I hope people will just realize how much um, all these staff are doing because this is like a question we need to start with if people can't live off their salary then there's something really wrong in this society and this is something that needs to be the beginning of our discussion and this is something that we need to discuss independently and not um, instead of just like taking other factors inside of the debate and I think it deserves the respect of being discussed independently instead of always jumping to other conclusions like oh what about this what about that I mean I think we owe it to the people that are um, asking us to listen to them now, that we um, listen to what they have to say and their wishes, and we um, meet them because they have been doing a lot to hold the city together. So it's time that they are heard. That sounds like a perfect point to move on to a different topic. A nice yeah. conclusion there. Uh, where should we go next? Uh, we mentioned the storm on Friday. I don't know if that's the most interesting thing, but... It's certainly what people are talking about, or I were. Yeah. yeah, it's it's good to see that um, people have been listening to the rescue teams. I mean, I got that kind of vibe that people are really listening. I mean, I saw on Facebook <laughs> that some people are like, oh, the weather isn't so bad. I mean, why are we, like, staying indoors? It's not such... The weather isn't so bad. I mean... Um, we should just like toughen up. I had a, and people were like writing on Facebook, like I went for a walk this morning. It wasn't that bad. And then I also saw like Facebook um, posts where people were like saying, we really need to listen to the news mm -hmm. and to the rescue teams. And I really appreciated it when people are saying like, yes, we need to listen. We need to uh, really uh, listen to these important news and um, because you never know and the weather can get so bad here. But then you start to think of like the rescue teams and what they have been doing for us, and we have been relying on them for so long. And these are all volunteers. Um, and I mean, they, they don't get paid. They're always on so call. If we put ourselves yeah. in danger, mm -hmm. we're putting them in danger yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, and I think we just owe them so much as a nation. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything they have been doing for us. Mm. And you start to mm. just ask yourself about this kind of moral question. Like we are relying on people to always be there for us. Mm. So this mm. is kind of like what I was thinking about in bad weathers. I mean, where would we be without the rescue teams? And question. yeah, mm. uh, I also think that that um, not just the bad weather that was, um, you know, a couple of days ago, but also just because we've had unusually <laughs> bad. Uh, weather um, this winter and um, I was just thinking that uh, it's uh, our sort of civil um, defense system is actually very good it's it's quite impressive how sort of um, organized um, 
coordinated, um, calm, uh, and yeah, efficient um, the system is, uh, and uh, it's um, volunteers, but also yeah, the civil defense authorities and police and everyone, and they seem to be you know working very sort of efficiently um, together which I, I think is a very, very um, good thing. Uh, so that's one thing that I've sort of been thinking of in connection with uh, um, bad weather. Um, and uh, also, um, yeah, there are people who are saying, ah, oh, this isn't so bad. I, uh, you know, when I was young, we didn't let this, you know, um, influence us or, yeah. But one of the reasons why no one was hurt and no one died and the dam uh, I mean there's quite a lot of damage obviously but it would have been more if we hadn't been prepared and it would have uh, you know been more if people hadn't listened um so that's um that's a sort of very positive thing I think that we are actually <laughs> listening to uh, what we're told and uh it kind of made me think that I maybe we are just uh, relaxing a bit and learning how to... Uh, we live in this country uh, and we get this kind of weather. Let's just, you know, um, adapt to it instead of trying always to let nature adapt to us. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, it, majority of people seem to have stayed home and um, everything... You know, life went on. <laughs> you know, it didn't cause a, a major economic or you know any um, disaster. Things just well, went like a lot of people are able to do some at least some work yeah, at home yeah. as well these days. I mean, so, I did, yeah. and you did, yeah. and it's you know, I stayed at home, answered yeah. emails. Yeah, yeah. 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 same here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and 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 the people that say, "Oh, this hasn't been so bad," mm -hmm. they're probably quite sheltered. Uh, like in the city um, and, and maybe in some parts of the city it wasn't yeah. so bad but in other parts like yeah. out on Kjellanes and in Kualfjord yeah. and yeah. probably Seltanes as well yeah. it was it was very bad and yeah. one guy got hit by a, a roofing plate yeah. yeah, yeah. had to be rushed to and hospital and if you had thousands of people you know going about their business cars and everything you know it would have been more difficult uh, for exactly. you know well, the rescue teams and police mm. and everyone to to cope with the situation yeah. so because big dangerous things were flying around it's just that people weren't there to definitely. get hit by them yeah yeah definitely important yeah. we were also lucky in Reykjavik that uh, it didn't snow mm. uh, as you know it was it was a bit warmer than um, predicted so um, yeah that helped and that's the difference between this one and what happened in December in the north isn't mm -hmm. it really yeah, because yeah, they had weeks yeah. of chaos and the electric yeah, wasn't back yeah, on and, yeah, and things and yeah. that was more the snow than the wind is that right <coughs> combination of both probably yeah but definitely uh, you know they, people couldn't see you know um, what was happening in front of them um, my husband is actually one of those rescue workers, so he was away for about five days, um, and he said it was just, yeah, it was just horrific. <laughs> the weather was just so bad, both wind and snow. Um, so it's, um, but I mean, it did, that did also reveal that our infrastructure, the, you know, um, power lines and um, aren't, what they should be. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's something that hopefully um, 
authorities are working on now because um, that's just for us in the shelter at Reykjavik <laughs> we can't even imagine what it's like to be without el- electricity um, for several days you know it would least of all if you live in a farmhouse that is heated with electricity oof, oof. you know yeah 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 okay should we um, move on to one more thing before mm-hmm. we run out of time where have we got um land ownership these smelters um or of course um mani shahidi the um pakistan trans team um who may or may not be still mm. deported but not today we're so um, glad to see that he won't be deported, but at the same time, it's like you're sad that it's just like that these factors here in Iceland need to be fixed. It I seems mean, like there's yeah. a conversation like this every two or three mm-hmm. weeks at yeah. least. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, the the reason why the family is not deported is because the boy is so sick. He had to be taken um, into um, <coughs> mental um, hospital. So um, that is, um, yeah, that's just very, very um, sad. And I do hope that uh, his um, special situation will be taken uh, into account because we know all too well that, that, you know, gay, trans, uh, that is just not something that is um, tolerated from where he comes from. Um, So it seems quite obvious that that he's in danger um and <clears throat> sorry his um reaction i think just speaks volumes of of uh what he himself believes he will be facing if um going back um now, it's also not the first time that this precise thing has happened that a deportation has been postponed or cancelled because the person involved the child involved has had to go for mental care in the hospital yeah and you think yeah. about like the rights of children i mean where are we as a nation when a children in such a weak position is facing like deportation i mean you think um, when i'm speaking to my friends from other countries they're like oh yeah iceland is such a right-based community and everything is like so good in Iceland regarding the rights of children and families and Iceland must be such a good place to live if you are like seeking for your rights and I've heard so many great things about Iceland and uh, a lot of people are like uh, seeking um, assistance there and if you're coming from a bad situation then Iceland must be the place to be and I'm like no 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 this is something that you have just maybe heard about the country, but in reality, things really aren't like that. I mean, we are seeing case after case after case, and I heard on the television there was an interview with the staff from the Red Cross, and she was talking about how someone, I think, approached her and was like, can I just, like, sign up um, instead of, like, um, always, um, always, like, um, signing your name? On like um, a particular case, you a, a could do it once, case. once for all. Yeah, you could do it like uh, once for all, for like petitions. yeah, for mm. petitions. Mm. Like mm. because yeah. we need to look at the whole situation that needs to be fixed. I mean, I believe that we as a country can do so much better in um, reaching out. Mm. Um, this family have been here for a year yeah, already, exactly, and, and now they're mm-hmm. finally being deported, mm-hmm. or, or hopefully not. Um, mm. 
why does it take so long? Exactly. And, and, and why is this decision mm-hmm. going against them? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like you say, it's mm-hmm. it's clear that there's mm-hmm. there's a need in this particular mm-hmm. case. There is. Um, why is it taking so long? I mean, um, one of the reasons is probably because there are, you know, many more applicants uh, than there used to be. Mm. Um, although I think I remember correctly that it has been going down again after, you know, a, yeah, record numbers of people um, seeking asylum. So perhaps the um, uh, immigration uh, authorities haven't been, you know, equipped with enough resources um, to deal uh, with that number. Um, that mm. could be one reason. Um, but from what I've heard, everyone seems to agree that it is taking far too long. Uh, and especially, um, you know, when there are children and they've been, you know, going to school and getting sort of, um, you know, climatized. And then they are, uh, you know, after having a glimpse of what life could be like, then uh, it's all taken away. And I think in some sense that can be even worse. Exactly. Once you've yeah, sort of seen what it is like to live a normal life and then it's taken away um, again. Um, the Minister of Justice, after, the, um, after they uh, postponed the deportation of the... Um, was he six years old, six year, seven year old from uh, Afghanistan mm. and his family? Um, she said that this is something that we definitely need to look specifically into the the amount of time. Um, and they had been here for what? It was getting on for three years in that yeah, case, wasn't I it? So. I, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's. I just think that, you know, children in need <laughs> should be helped. Families in need and stress. Basic, yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. kind of the bottom line, mm-hmm. I think. And uh, it's almost certain that the stress of this whole situation mm-hmm. is what's caused him to be taken into hospital. And I'm that, sure, we I'm can't, sure. You can't yeah. really justify that in any mm-hmm. way, can you? No, yeah. no. Yeah. Interesting to note that um, his his lawyer Claudie Ashoni Wilson has been on this program uh, twice already. So oh, right. nice connection yeah, there, yeah, and yeah. sounds like she's doing yeah. uh, great work yeah, for that family. Yeah. Oh. And she was, you know, citing the uh, United Nations um, Children's um, Declaration on the Rights yeah, of the Child. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that this uh, must be a violation of that. Yeah. So hopefully. And uh, over 200 people protested uh, outside Parliament and the Ministry of Justice at the weekend. That's great. Mm-hmm. It yeah. often seems to be happening that people do have to get out on the streets yeah. and do things. Do you think it helps? Do you think it works? Yeah, I think it works when people are like showing solidarity um, in front of Parliament, um, on Facebook, on social media, and uh, standing together and saying, no, we're not having, having it. And like we saw... Um, in case, in the case of the boy in school, uh, and um, when people stick together, you know, and are like, no, we're standing together and saying, no, this isn't going to work. And um, that seems to work when people yeah. are like pointing out something that needs to be fixed and solidarity. Seems I to mean, work. It, it definitely sends mm-hmm. uh, MPs and the government a message. This is something that people actually care about. 
Um, and then it's not so easy to sort of, you know, turn a blind eye on. Well, that's the thing. If it's if people are out giving up their own time and, and mm-hmm. it gets into the media, you can't ignore it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. And you can't say like, oh, I didn't know about this or... yeah. 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 I wonder what, uh, there's a lot of these cases that have come up and we hear about protests and, and deportations that are cancelled or postponed. We hear about this quite a lot. Often we don't hear what happens next um, yeah. from those very same people if they are mm. still here. I don't know. Mm. Oh, yeah. Be something that to look be, into. Yeah, Who's definitely. It would be interesting to know um, what, you know, how, how they are um, doing. And But, but there's also, um, you know, there are cases that don't catch um, people's attentions or the media attention and we never hear about them. Mm. Um, well, I stand corrected. There was actually a very good program here on a roof um, uh, last Tuesday or the, or the week before uh, where they um, the investigative team followed people who had been deported and were living in, in Greece in refugee camps here and there. And Oh, that was, um, yeah, that was um, quite horrible. Mm-hmm. And to think that, you know, these are people that were actually here and now they're there and, you know, just living off the street, um, cold, hungry, um, with no rights uh, whatsoever. And the um, situation in those um, refugee camps in, in Greece, which is very often the first, it's just, you know, uh, it's, so uh, inhumane it's, it's horrible yeah well on that on that note uh, i'm gonna have to say that we are out of time um thank you uh, the week in iceland will be back uh, next monday the 24th of february on roof.as forward slash english roof english on facebook through the roof app and on your favorite podcast platform my thanks to sana magdalena murtidotir and valkyrie anna johansdotir and also to lydia gretasdotir for running the studio this week's piece of Icelandica is a song called Forest Fires by the singer-songwriter Axel Flovent. Played this week, I'll be honest with you, for no other reason than I like it. <laughs> uh, it's also kind of welcoming somehow appropriate sound to it for a sunny Monday morning in February, in my opinion. There we go. Bye for now. Maybe so.